chapter sixteen of a gringo in manana land by harry l foster this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter sixteen a long long way to costa rica part one one i set out overland through the nicaraguan canal for costa rica from managua the railway carried me to granada on the shores of the largest lake between michigan and titicaca at the end of a long wharf the weekly steamer was balancing itself upon its prow and waving its stern in the air lashed by a gale that piled the combers one upon another until the pond resembled a young ocean it was a squatty vessel condemned back in the days of zelaya but still running it contained several bullet holes from the revolution that overthrew the dictator when attacked it had been so crowded with government troops that most of them could not fire upon the enemy whereupon they had relieved their emotions by shooting upward through the decks embarking passengers were looking forward to seasickness the latin americans always enjoy this malady even when the sea is calm upon going aboard a ship the women-folk especially prepare for it by hanging upon the cabin wall a picture of our lady of voyagings reciting the rosary sniffing the smelling salts lying down upon the berth turning green and suffering miserably long before the ship leaves port such behaviour seems to be regarded as essential to the gentle feminine character and i sometimes suspect that any lady who failed to show the proper symptoms during the voyage would be regarded as just a trifle masculine on this trip they all had excellent excuse the boat rocked and pitched frantically at its moorings when we finally steamed off our course lay broadside to the waves and the vessel dipped one gunwale after another soaking the steerage passengers on the lower deck and sprinkling those above they huddled together in a dejected uncomfortable mass of humanity groaning ay 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 and obtaining therefrom about as much relief as anglo-saxon find in oh 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 lake nicaragua is a hundred miles long by forty wide since it was a twenty-four hour journey much agony was enjoyed by all two i landed the next morning at san carlos at the mouth of the san juan river there was nothing of interest here except an ancient spanish fortress and j c kennedy they built the fortress back in sixteen hundred and something or maybe it was seventeen hundred and something explained the latter i know it was just before i came here mr kennedy a little white-haired irish-american who now owned a shoe-shop and pegged away himself for exercise had twice been chased out of nicaragua by the old tyrant zelaya but i don't know as i blame him so much he said i had a factory making ammunition for the revolutionists three from san carlos the san juan river led eastward toward the caribbean once seriously considered by the american government as a possible site for the canal finally constructed at panama it was at present so shallow that only small launches could navigate it one was now waiting with a scow lashed to its side i sailed with it at midnight along with some forty other passengers mostly women and children all of us tightly packed into whatever spaces remained among the bags boxes and bales of a heavy cargo 
there was neither comfort nor privacy the latin americans with characteristic vanity had all embarked in their very best clothes now that they had parted from their friends and wished to change into garments better suited to a long voyage they faced a disconcerting problem the women cried out gentlemen please look the other way a host of infants whined and fretted every one turned and twisted about in an effort to find a position conducive to sleep until the launch suggested a cheese alive with squirming maggots i retired to the lighter and discovered a sheltered nook among the sacks of beans rolled up in my blanket there was a splendid moon overhead the black jungle illumined now and then with patches of misty grey slid past in mysterious procession at times i would awaken as the motor stopped and the native boatmen climbed over me to guide us with long poles through rippling shallows sometimes the claw-like branches of a half-submerged tree came racing at us as though shooting upstream to seize us there would be much frantic shouting and furious work with the guide-poles as we dodged it then i would settle back to another nap lulled by the music of swift waters and pitying the other passengers huddled in cramped discomfort aboard the launch but the pity was premature without warning the heavens opened up and poured down a perfect deluge of chilling rain and i found myself the only passenger not under a roof and with no space left under the awning i had not known that every season was rainy season on the san juan and the deluge fell intermittently throughout the night drawing the blanket over my head i burrowed down between two bean-sacks where presently a boatman rushing across the scow with his pole gave a leap and planted both bare feet in my face pardon senor but you looked like part of the cargo in the morning we docked at puerto castillo a string of aged wooden shanties bordering the river shrouded in an unceasing drizzle of mist there were some especially dangerous rapids here and the women were landed while the rest of us charged downstream through boiling foam our launch bumped and grated over the rocks as we plunged through the shallow falls but the current swept us on and we came finally into deeper pools below where the women straggling along the shore trail rejoined us and crawled over one another as each sought to find her own baggage among the mixture of sacks bundles baskets and boxes and to extract therefrom the ingredients for breakfast each passenger foraged for himself for three days we chugged downstream through rank green jungle with bits of fog clinging to its edges through shallows and rapids through drizzling showers everyone had taken the precaution to bring food which we ate without cooking now and then if we stopped at a thatched hut a native woman could be persuaded to boil coffee but it was seldom that we stopped long enough with both sexes packed tightly into an open launch for many hours at a time there was necessary a complete abandonment of the modesties which civilized society regards as imperative when passengers complained the captain agreed with them sympathetically in the fatalistic fashion of these people as though he felt that the discomfort were something to be deplored but not to be remedied 
the captain was in reality a colonel by title several of the men passengers were generals most nicaraguans of any social standing have a military title of some sort earned in a long past revolution two or three of the women were the wives of government officials stationed in bluefields or other isolated east coast towns and were ladies of refinement but contiguity was productive of democracy and both ladies and generals joined the peons in lamentation of common misery the life of the party was a stout woman with a machete in the bosom of her voluminous soiled shirtwaist her seven children were constantly tumbling about over the other passengers to the annoyance of every one and her admonitions that she would cut their throats if they did not sit still illustrated by a waving of the machete had little effect upon them on the lake steamer she had led the mournful chorus of ay 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 but she was now in good spirits and prepared at all times to conduct the conversation her favorite theme was her romances the oldest boy he of the curly hair was the son of juanito the blacksmith and that one the dark one is the child of pedro the little indian at san carlos she had left the blacksmith it seems because he caught her at flirtation and failed to chastise the other man he had simply taken her home and beaten her she had not minded this for it was justified but he should have beaten the other man too did we not think so and who could love such a coward we stopped on our third night at a little thatched farmhouse while the women remained aboard the launch reciting their rosaries in unison as was their nightly custom throughout the voyage the men adjourned to a narrow sand-spit opened a jug of rum and took turns riding a young bull which despite its youth contrived to toss most of them into the river thereafter we gathered at the farmhouse where some one produced guitar and mandolin and we all danced with the farmer's three daughters there was some question in my mind as to whether a gentleman about to dance with a barefoot partner should remove his own shoes the book of etiquette as i recalled it had not covered this point but considering that the boards were full of splinters which might have been painful to anybody but the calloused soul of a native i decided to forego the courtesy when the boatmen and passengers discovered that i could play a few pieces of their own music on the mandolin they hailed me as paisano fellow countryman and thereafter called me by that name these nicaraguans were prejudiced against gringos but like all latin americans were eager to be friendly with any individual who showed an interest in themselves one of the generals could speak english his hobby was collecting the pictures of short-skirted movie actresses that came with each package of the cigarettes i smoked though the american girl are some nifty girl eh all the time i am in and away in new york i go always to the dance hall to shake the the what you call it the wicked hip and so much i like the scenic railway at the coney island and one that go all the way through the dark tunnel some classy burg that nueva york when the rain ceased momentarily the men would ascend to the roof of the launch among the crates of squawking chickens that formed the bulk of the cargo and from that point of vantage would shoot at the alligators lying half submerged along the mud-flats the caymans were sluggish creatures 
on the amazon and other rivers i have seen much larger monsters disappear with the crack of a rifle here they merely lumbered with awkward dignity toward the water the boatmen showed no fear of them when we struck a sandbar as we did at two-hour intervals the crew would leap overboard to shove us loose and sometimes would plod all over the river to find the deeper channels if this were ever to become an interoceanic canal it would require infinite dredging yet should traffic outgrow the panama waterway this will be the site of another road the mountain chain which soars aloft throughout central america subsides at this point lake nicaragua is only a hundred and ten feet above sea level and from it another river empties into the pacific just as the san juan empties into the caribbean the principal disadvantage of a canal here would be its length any surveyor or engineer making the journey as i made it would swear that the san juan was longer than the mississippi four it was a relief when after three days of it we turned aside into a narrow channel and pushed our way through lily pads to the weather-stained city of san juan del norte otherwise known as Greytown, our caribbean terminus it was merely the typical east coast town however low swampy stinking and generally unattractive with black complexions prevailing the nicaraguan commandante was spanish all other officials were negroes a customs inspector of west indian descent as immaculate in white linen uniform as only a colored official can be directed me to a lodging-house and i set out to find it hiking along a grass-grown embankment lined with rickety wooden shacks roofed with discolored tin each house set upon piles above a pool of filth and reached by a wobbly boardwalk once upon a time when this whole shore from costa rica to guatemala was a part of the british mosquito kingdom of which british honduras is the only remnant this was a thriving city walker the filibuster made it his base of supplies in the days of the gold rush to california nicaragua was one of the favorite cross-continental routes in those times as the residents of today expressed it Greytown was Greytown. now it was only Greytown. prosperity had fled the inhabitants lived as tropical natives so frequently live without visible occupation a visitor especially a gringo was a curiosity the entire population descendants of great britain's former negro empire rushed to the doorways to stare buxom wenches climbed upon their window-sills with a mountainous display of anatomy to ask one another in jamaican english who de man is who de man is i found the lodging-house but it was closed they all go off for a lark advised a neighbor but eventually i found another hotel kept by a nicaraguan who was quite amazed at the sight of a prospective guest he had one large room laden with canvas cots and already occupied by a blind negro with the stupid countenance of a half-wit who proved upon further acquaintance to be the town celebrity he was a musician when some one led him downstairs and placed a mandolin in his hands he played it as i had never dreamed the instrument could be played he was a true genius if his accompanist gave the wrong chord upon the guitar he would fly into a rage 
when as a joke someone told him that i played better than he his indignation knew no limit his eyelids snapped open and shut exposing empty sockets and he screamed like a maniac he refused positively to play another piece so long as i was present thereafter he seemed to sense my return even when i tiptoed into the room and would cease abruptly to demand in spanish has that gringo come back but he warmed toward me when the mediators informed him that i wished to take his picture all greytown was eager to be photographed seeing my camera the blacks would call out draw me pointers ah there were many old colored men here who could recall the days when greytown flourished they were very dignified and formal as befits a patriarch and with the peculiar vanity of the oldest living resident everywhere each was extremely proud that he hadn't had sufficient ambition to move out of one place for sixty or seventy years they now spent most of their time sitting about the rum shops waiting for someone to buy them a drink as i passed one such shop and it seemed to be about the one kind of shop in the city a group of my former associates from the launch journey greeted me with an overjoyed paisano and called me inside assuring the colony of patriarchs this gringo is a good fellow he's our paisano he's one of us with that recommendation the darkies accepted me as an equal theirs was the elaborate phraseology of the jamaican when i first see he they said i presumption that he be american and to me am i not conclusive sir that you'll be a traveller and that you will embrace the primary opportunity to emigrate from this region my former associates were rather tipsy with rum and all were eager to show me the sights of the city the only point of interest they could think of however was the chapel across the way it had fallen greatly into disrepair since the church of england is a more favoured institution on the east coast but it contained a well-moulded image of the saviour some local artist evidently had done the work for the complexion of the image was a rich chocolate brown the natives looked upon him with astonishment caramba exclaimed one it's as dark as ourselves he's our paisano End of chapter 16, part 1